This is Slashers. More specifically, it's Jake from Slashers. And Jake is still from Slashers. For those of you who are Patreon patrons, you might have noted that we recently did The Monster Squad, which is my favorite movie of all time, which I said I would never do on the show, which was meant to be a send-off of sorts. My personal life, which believe it or not, I actually do have a personal life, aside from a professional and recreational life, but I was, it was struggling, and I had moments of frustration and doubt. But the one thing that was always there was my love for my co-hosts and my love for our audience and the community we fostered. And it, it means something to me to be able to provide whatever semblance of a community I can, because I know as a kid I felt so isolated, shitty, and pathetic being a horror fan. And now I'm like kind of cool. Like people give a shit what I have to say about movies. So I'm going to keep saying shit about movies and other stuff. The plan moving forward is I will continue to be on every episode. If I can't be, we have two more than capable hosts, and I want our audience to really view Adrian and Doug as having a sense of ownership in slashers. There is no slashers without them. It isn't like a band. Like, if for any reason I can't continue doing the show and they do take over in a full capacity, it's not like some weird-ass situation where two members of a band who joined 20 years later are the band now. No, they're not playing covers of the old episodes. They have a sense of ownership, and I really hope that you as the audience view them that way, because I view them as my closest friends, and I think that they are truly great and remarkable people, and not just because Douglas just gave me a fucking VCR for free, that belonged to Jackie Buttfucking Kong, director of one Blood Diner. Thank you very much. Uh, no, there's a lot of reasons why I appreciate them, and I think you should too. This episode was one that they did while we were in a pattern where we thought that I was not going to be on the show any longer. It's on Near Dark, and it was one of those things where a little bit of FOMO helped me kind of reach the realization of... Yeah, this has been my only hobby for three years for a reason. I fucking love this shit and I love you guys. So I really appreciate you letting me ramble at you. Here are Adrian and Doug with a great butt fucking episode. They're going to uh, use the nom de plom, the nomenclature of slashers of old, raw dog you in the ears with some sensual, funky butt-loving, and there's a little vampire boy who's actually really old, but he still wants to get freaky with you, so you have to reconcile that morally. Okay, goodbye and goodbye, but not goodbye forever. Just establishing that. Okay. One, two, three, four! <laughs> This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast for all your new favorite horror media. I don't know why we keep calling it new, because we've been around for a while here, so, you know, hey, you get what you get here. But yes, with me today is my esteemed colleagues, cohort, and uh, cohort. Well, see, that's what happens when Jake's not here. You start slurring your speech, and you sound worse than the homeless bum at the wagon wheel bar down the street in El Monte. So, without further ado, we got aid here. Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, Mutant Goons from Beyond. So, yes, that is sort of a new episode, I guess, for Doug and I, because if you guys didn't realize in this 
particular episode. You're only hearing Doug and me because Jake is not here today. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can uh, make you guys laugh and give you the episode that you all are waiting for for this month of November, because we thought that we would have our episodes as part of the Thanksgiving theme where you eat nasty things. What better way to start that off than with a perfect vampire horror film? So. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like this goes great with movies like The Stuff, The Greasy Strangler. You know, you want to see your morbidly obese aunt come by and eat food at the table and just lick all around. Well, that's basically Bill Paxton in this movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And even if you're watching Dead Alive when you're eating the, the pus and the porridge, like those are all fun things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just like the, what? New pudding? So, you know, we're, we all have uh, family members like that, right? For sure. And especially considering how disgusting and horrifying Bill Paxton is in this movie when he's eating people and he, he still looks really hot doing it. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's just my thing. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Out of all the stuff, I'd, I'd say like this is probably the beefiest Bill Paxton looks in here because um, he was in another movie I liked, but he looked like trash. It was the, the dark backward. <laughs> um, yeah, that was an Adam Rifkin movie. And I'm like, man, how did like he that, that's the good thing about Bill Paxton. He's like those characters. You can change up different outfits, you know, where you have like the three parts of their body, you switch their head, switch their torso. <laughs> He's like that. And another thing I noticed, too, this is because this is a Catherine Bigelow film. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Catherine Bigelow ended up uh, smashing pisters with James Cameron later on. And, uh, you know, making some good uh, movies that actually won awards and stuff like that. And uh, this film is is very, uh, it feels very Catherine Bigelow. You go back and watch Hurt Locker. This yes. movie's got the cojones. This movie's like nonstop action throughout. Yeah, for sure. It's And it's also super poetic. And I feel that it's unfairly compared with The Lost Boys. Because I feel like aside from a couple of the shots and the fact that there's a child vampire uh, and a love story going on and the girl lures the guy in. Yes, there are some things that you could compare with it. But I feel tonally, it's so different than The Lost Boys. Yeah. And and the thing is, too, like I forgot. Now, I'll be honest. When I first watched this movie years back, I ended up buying the DVD from Amoebas. And Yahira and I, it must have been like 2 a.m. when we watched it. We were both like kind of tired or it was a bad day or something like that. And we watched it and I didn't really like the movie. But for this episode, I rewatched it uh, two days ago. I'm like, holy shit, this is a good movie. This is up. I think it's better than Fright Night. And Fright Night's one of my favorite vampire movies. Yeah, I actually I like this a lot better than Fright Night. I do. I like it better than The Lost Boys. I really don't feel it's fair to compare them. So I can't say. Well, I know that I've watched The Lost Boys a hundred thousand times. It is my favorite movie, but I can't say that it's any better or worse because it's it's really its own entity. In fact, in the entire film, they never once mentioned the word vampire, which I find interesting. No, they kind of let people be like, you know what they are. We're not going to say it. But this one also feels a little bit like Devil's Rejects. Like it's a Western almost. And the opening, uh, the first scene, like where he's, uh, you know, she's seducing the guy and, and the truck and stuff. That feels like a romance novel. Like, like you ever seen the covers of those romance novels where it's like those couples just making out? Uh, that's what it reminded me. I'm like, oh, man, is this, is this why I didn't like it? This is very like melodramatic. But no, it's just nonstop. And this is the only movie you could see a kid catch on fire. <laughs> you know, really, I don't. Well, no, I think that happened in Cooties. But, uh, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, and and that's the thing. So Homer, who's played by uh, another fun fact, but Homer, who is played Joshua John Miller, he's actually brothers with Jason Patrick from The Lost Boys. So if you didn't know that, I didn't know that. Did you know that? Oh, so maybe maybe there is a link between. But you want to know what? You brought up a great point because this movie is so people don't really understand it because it's either compared to Lost Boys when it came out or nowadays 
I didn't even want to buy it, but did you see how fucking horrible the Blu-ray of this looks? Yes. Did you see the cover mm-hmm. of it? It's it, it ripped off Twilight. I'm like, you guys don't know what kind of movie you have here. No. And <sighs> I feel like that they probably would have marketed it to an audience that likes Twilight. And so if you see that cover, you probably, you know, a young teen who happened to read Twilight, which was me, which I wasn't a teen. I was mm-hmm. in college when it came out, let's be honest. But <laughs> I know I'm showing my age here. But yeah, you would pick up that because I have that Blu-ray copy. And in fact, I, I lent it to my brother. So I had to um, stream it from Amazon when I rewatched it again for this episode. And my brother still hasn't watched it. I loaned it to him like a year ago. He still hasn't watched the damn movie. And I know he probably thinks it's because it's a Twilight movie. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's, it's, like, it's like a girly movie. But no, I have like the original DVD of it. And it's like nasty. It's got like the melt uh, you know, vampire and they're like, this is what they should have done. Anchor Bay did it right. For sure. Yeah. Especially with, with Bill Paxton. So we can, let, let, let's bring it back a little bit um, and just mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the budget and the weekend it came out. And obviously it has a lot of competition because you and I, I'm sure you've researched as well that this particular film near dark has not, uh, did not do very well at the box office. It, the budget was around 5 million and grossed around 3.4 and it came out October, uh, of 1987. And so if you look at October of 1987, you have princess uh, or prince princess. Oh my God. Prince of darkness, the gate, Hellraiser, predator house Two, your favorite mm-hmm. evil dead Two. And The Lost Boys came out before in July, so it's not even really competing with The Lost Boys. But by comparison, if you look at The Lost Boys, they made $32 million. <laughs> so Compared to this, like, $3 million? Oh, my God. 3.4. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they made, uh, they made basically the lunch money of what The Lost Boys did. I know. And, you know, of course, The Lost Boys that had a, a more exciting cast, I guess, a more well-known cast. It had, has the Corys, you know, Jamie Gertz, and then we have Diane Wiest who's popular, right? And Mm -hmm. Edward Herman. And it's just a sexier kind of movie. The vampires are a little sexier than in this movie because I feel like in Near Dark, they're more decrepit. They're sort of washed up. You can smell that van that they're in. Like, I'm like, oh man, I know no one takes a shower in this van. Yeah, they're just very like dirty. And in The Lost Boys, it's very glorified. Like you want to be a vampire in The Lost Boys because, you know, they're gorgeous. They've got that sexy, twisted sister, 80s Motley Crue look. And, uh, you know, the guys are all young. And in this one, they're not young. But it's fun because if you liked Aliens and you watched Aliens, James Cameron suggested that the three actors from Aliens come and be in Catherine Bigelow's movie. So I don't know why more people didn't want to see it for that reason alone. So it makes me kind of sad. Yeah, it's just weird because it's not like this is one of those movies that I feel like can get like an arrow release um, just because now it's like it's really badass by itself. Like there's no point where they turn into like cheesy bad and stuff like that you know not knocking the lost boys but yeah this one they're just kind of met like they're people you do not want to run into they're not that's the scary thing they're not sexy they're not really appealing and these are just people it's like fuck i ran into these people and i'm gonna have a bad day now because they burn everything that they leave behind you know so that's it's it's scary these people are bad they are and at the same time i feel like whereas the lost boy has a lot more comedic relief aside from bill paxton severin which uh, if i ever have a son i'm totally naming him severin i'm just telling everybody that because i love that name <laughs> but aside from bill paxton every now and again when he says things you know you laugh at what he says but he's still very evil and he he is 
terrifying. So frightening in this movie. And so was Lance Henriksen's Jesse. And even, you know, the chick who plays Diamondback, like she's, she's so scary as, especially when she's like, you know, switching with a switchblade and they slit the waitress's throat. They're just very mean spirited. Yeah, they like to play with their food. Like that whole bar scene. Uh, I mean, I hate to keep knocking on Devil's Rejects, but that felt like the motel. I felt like Rob Zombie took some of that motel scene stuff from uh, Near Dark because that was just, you know, no one in that bar was going to survive. You know? No, and they had to watch. It was very agonizing knowing that they're watching one by one the other people in the bar are being murdered, right? And there's they know mm-hmm. there's nothing they can do. And Bill Paxton is just relentless. And you're right, they do play with their food, especially, and the little kid is so insufferable. Homer, the fact that his name is Homer. Oh, I'm so glad he burned yeah. up that little shit. Fuck him. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's sitting like on the table and he's like doing a clap and he's like dancing when, when they're, you know, harassing the waitress. And like, little douchebag, go out there. I don't care if you're 500 years old or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then they let but, um, I don't know. I really like the dynamic too with um, with uh, it's so different because some of the characters you root for and you feel like they're agonite. Like when they, they get picked up by that truck driver at first, he's like kind of he's like, oh, I don't want to the truck driver. What did he do? He's a really cool guy. And then all of a sudden he's starting to make fun of uh, him and making those jokes. I'm like, OK, I guess it's his time to die now. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's sad because the, the truck driver genuinely, I felt like wanted to help them. And so like so if, for those of you who haven't seen Near Dark, let's just go back really quick with the recapitation. Mm-hmm. It's about a small town farmer son who reluctantly joins a traveling group of vampires after he is bitten by a beautiful drifter. And so you know he's he's lured in by this chick may jenny wright who i remember from saying almost fire but i know she's a bunch of other shit in the 80s and uh she obviously wants to eat him is what i took it from the beginning like i think she was going to kill him right Mm -hmm. and at some point she changes her mind and bites him but she decides to not kill him i guess because at this point she wants a boyfriend so it's interesting that the vampires cared enough to come and get Caleb after that and basically kidnap him because they realize that he's, well, first they think that they should, you know, clean up their loose ends, right? But then eventually they realize that he's turning or he's already turned. And so they Mm -hmm. decide to take him with them. So it's kind of like they were being sympathetic, I guess, to him because knowing that he's one of them now that they have to take him in. I don't know what you took that as. Yeah, I did too. Well, the thing is, I felt that Bill Paxton and Lance Henriksen, they took him in because they're like, okay, we need like a kind of like our own slave or our new like kind of like freshman, if you will, uh, to do all the dirty work. Like when they send him out uh, during that shootout at the little motel they're staying at, um, they have him like go out there with the blanket over him. And I don't know, I just feel like they could have used him. But um, and then maybe if they needed to, they could kill him eventually. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that that face would that uh, fate would be worse than death being a vampire. <laughs> being that kind of vampire, because there are vampire movies where there is, you know, let's take, for example, Underworld for lack of a better example. Well, or we could even say Interview with the Vampire. Even Interview with the Vampire, right? These vampires are very fancy, aristocratic. They come from money. They have these beautiful places that they live in, right? It's a very lavish lifestyle. Granted, neither from either movie can go out in the sun. Then you take Twilight. They can they can walk in daylight. They have all this money. They're they're very affluent, right? So they're and they don't have to sleep. They don't have to. The Twilight vampires have it the best, I, I should say. So 
if you were to be a vampire, I would want to be one of those vampires because then I could have everything I wanted. If I had to be one of near dark's vampires, I think I would definitely want to go back and be a person at that point because they are drifters. They're broke as fuck. The fact that they have to always put tinfoil on the windows. <laughs> like, how annoying is that? Well, see, what I want to know is, like, do they ever have to stop for gas, like, during the daylight? Or they just say, well, it's it's night, so we have to go fill it up then. I've always wondered that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And even their masks that they wear, especially Lance Henriksen's or Jesse's uh, mask that they wear when they're driving around in daylight. Like, it's got this, like, bird nose covering his nose. Yeah, they look like the plague doctor or those mountain things from Star Wars. So. And, you know, but I where I think that this movie excels over the Lost Boys, in a sense, is that while we are afraid of these vampires in this one, we don't necessarily like them. Like the little boy, I fucking hate him. Mm-hmm. We spend a lot of time and get to know them in this film. And the Lost Boys, you really only get to know David. And then the story sort of centers around Michael and Sam and then the Frog Brothers. So we don't really get to meet the rest of the vampires and the Lost Boys. I mean, we see them, you know, we, we have Marco, who's, you know, Bill and Ted. I forget which one is which. I'm probably going to be crucified for that. Uh, <laughs> so we've got Marco. We've got the sexy Billy Worth character, Dwayne. Then we have Paul. And they're all gorgeous in their own right. But they are. we never really talk to them. We don't get to know them. We don't get to know their background. We Nothing. And near dark, we get to actually sit with all of them and sort of figure out even how old they are. Like, if you remember, you know, Jesse and Severin are talking at some point and they are referencing the Chicago fire that they were involved, that they were the reason of the Chicago fire that they set it. Okay, so we can kind of mm-hmm. get an idea of how they're hundreds of years old. And at some point, Jesse even says that he fought in the Civil War. So, you know, they're super fucking old. And and then so you kind of realize like they they're very weathered and and you can kind of get their backgrounds of when they were changed. And you don't get that in The Lost Boys. And not that The Lost Boys is bad because you don't get that. I just feel like if we're going to have vampires in the movie, we should probably get to know them a little bit better. Yeah. And like you said, too, they definitely, Catherine Bigelow definitely nailed it where it's like Lost Boys, you want to be in that monster squad of, of vampires. It's like, yeah, these guys are cool. They're eating noodles and stuff. And hanging out. This one, it's like, no, you're basically a, a homeless guy the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. A vagrant. <laughs> Yeah, vagrants kind of going from door to door. But uh, I'm surprised they haven't been caught yet. Imagine if you're a vampire and they got sent to jail. It's like, well, I'm spending 30 years in jail. You know, that's kind of sucks. Oh, for sure. And I think that it would be because at one point, Caleb, uh, Caleb's father wants to bring him to the hospital. And he's like, no, because what would a hospital do with a vampire? Like they would experiment. I I don't know how they Mm -hmm. and then how would they even keep him under control? Because as we see in the bar, we really see, I mean, we sort of see it in the beginning with May when um, Caleb is, you know, being a predator and he throws the lasso over her, which is like, who does that? <laughs> and she pulls him back. So we see that she's pretty strong, but then we don't mm-hmm. really get to see their, their entire brute strength until we get to the bar and how Severin just fucking owns everybody in there. Right. And so even by the end, when he's on top of the the rig and he's, punching his hand through the the top and like pulling out all the things and stuff. So I don't know necessarily if they caught them unless they lit them on fire, put them out in the sun. How would they even control them? Yeah, especially if you didn't know. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But I, I did like that part where he's like and that's brings back to what you said. Where he's pulling him in, he's like going to use him as like the freshman or the bait. He's like, yeah, go ahead, punch this guy, see what he does. 
And they, that bar guy just keeps punching him in the stomach. So it's to show him. I don't know. I guess I guess in that case, I would want to be a vampire for near dark. Then I'm like, throw him as many punches as you can. Every punch is like 200 bucks. That's a good thing of being a stunt guy. Well, yeah. And the thing is, is that when he's punching him, I think Severin does it to sort of show Caleb, like, look how cool it is to be this. Right. I mean, they can mm-hmm. take a bullet. And just keep going. When Lance Henriksen is shot, when the father shoots him, and then he, like, pulls the bullet out of his throat and, like, spits it out and puts it in his pocket. (laughs) Like, how fucking cool is that? So I guess there are some cool things to these vampires. I just wish that they were better with their money. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. See, if I was a vampire like that, I would have been smart. I'm like, okay, I'm going to... There's cryptocurrency, so I'm going to invest in that, or I'm going to try to do something smart with this money. At least I would be like a vampire in a mansion or something, because mm-hmm. you know, buy it off, it's yours forever. Smart. They're they're renters. They're stupid. It's like you're if you're a vampire, why the fuck are you renting? Buy your own property and you own it forever. Yeah, and and two, I guess if you think about it, if we want to really get deep about this, it's probably would behoove them to be drifters because they would get away with murdering people in the ways that they mm-hmm. do. A lot easier by constantly, you know, running around, right? If they were to stay in one spot, they'd have to be a lot more calculative and be a lot more, I guess, pristine while they are murdering people. I don't know. Like, you can't just go walk up to the bar, you know, in the middle of a city and murder everybody and expect not to get caught. So mm-hmm. I think the way that they are very mean spirited, they're. Severin especially is a complete sociopath. So being that like that and having to do that with their food or play with their food, as you said, which I love that you said that because it's so true. I don't think they'd be able to get away with that if they wanted to be very fancy type vampires. I don't know. Yeah, like the Nicki Minaj of vampires. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they can't be doing starships. But yeah, it's it's crazy to think too, like this, um, like they go from van to van and, you know, if you're a drifter, what do you do? You always pay cash or like how – I always wonder that like do they have a credit card in their name or anything like that? Like I don't know. It's just – I was watching. I'm like it just would – it's weird because when I watch this, you really do put yourself in that in that situation. Yeah. It's like what the fuck would I do? Like this sucks. I think that it would probably – I think that they probably just go around to different bars. I think a bar would have – for them, this is me sitting on my ass yesterday after work watching this movie thinking all of these scenarios. But for me, I would think that if they're running around, I think it would behoove them to find little shit bars like that. Because one, not only – there's probably not a lot of people. You could probably murder them quickly, set the bar ablaze with all of the liquor that's available to you. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you do it at a gas station. You could rob the place so you'd have quick cash and just be done. It's because you know that these places have cash. It, it, it probably would be a lot harder today now that everything is like, you know, you pay with everything with card. So you would, what would they get? Like a little burner credit card, like a little Walmart? <laughs> a little Walmart one? Yeah. And then they get yelled at. It's like, you can't come in without wearing a mask. So, like, you know. <laughs> So I think that I think for them that that makes so much sense and it's so smart for them to do that. And so I'm sure Bigelow was thinking this as she was writing it or thinking something, something to this effect. And I didn't want to do a lot of research. Like I found a lot of fun facts on it, but I didn't want to do a whole lot of research on it simply because I don't want to look at this movie and look at what everybody else has done. Cause we know that Bill Paxton Mm -hmm. completely, you know, is everything that he's done. He's, you know, super big and he's, 
you know, rest in peace. I miss him so much. I'm so sad that he's gone. So it, it, I don't, I feel like the fact that everyone's sort of a lesser known cast, that this does seem like a very artsy, like student films type, you know, way in some ways. I think that it helps with its charm. I don't know. What, mm-hmm. what do you think? Well, yeah, no, I definitely, like I said, it definitely feels very gritty. And like you said, that student feel type film, like I felt like, um, cause they only filmed this in 47 days. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, that's real, that's a relatively short time. Uh, to film like, you know, a lot of action scenes and stuff like this. But um, no, it definitely works like the small scale of it because everything felt small. Like when they're driving in through that uh, town with the semi truck at the end, um, like that, like no one came out. I'm like, you heard a truck explosion. No one comes out. Everyone's got their hearing aids off. Like what the fuck's going on? But yeah. And uh, honestly, like with with the whole vampire stuff and you're like with them not mentioning it, mentioning it, who knows? Maybe they're not vampires. Maybe it's just like this rare you know, it's that vampire mythology, but it could be something completely different. You never know. Mm-hmm. And that's up to the viewer to do. And with this being Catherine Bigelow's, uh, you know, one of her first films to do, I think this is a great start. But a lot of people still don't get it because I noticed on uh, like uh, this is ranked in one of the 200 like America's most heart pounding films. If you look at the reviews for this film, it's split halfway. There's some people that give it like four stars, like rip off of this or like boring movie. And, and then there's other ones that give it really good stars. So. Still, this film, I don't think has really found its audience because I can't recall anything that uh, like if there's been like an anniversary screening or something like that in a like a little indie theater. But this is definitely the film for it. So if you guys watching uh, and listening, give this film a chance. Like ignore that horrible Twilight cover. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, goons. How are you enjoying Thanks Gorging so far? Well, unbutton your pants because we have three more episodes and a Patreon bonus coming your way. Becoming a patron will let you vote on the bonus. You can join us at patreon.com slash slasherspod. Enjoy. Uh. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's, it's, it's interesting that it is split down the middle. And, I, and again, I think that the, to, the, to its detriment, the fact that it came out the same year as The Lost Boys, of course, everybody's going to compare it to The Lost Boys. And, you know, I don't know if it would have been better if they had waited to release it. Would it ruined its aesthetic? I don't think so, because if it came out in 89, even if it came out in 89, I think it would work. Again, I wasn't born until 88, so I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. It's not like I was there. <laughs> well, no, like like this film, what makes it great, like that whole aesthetic is that um, this could take place anywhere in like a small, you know, Western town because it feels like a Western, too. So really, there's there's ghost towns and like really dried up towns in Arizona that looked just like this. So, you know, they could have released it later on the nineties, you know, they didn't people in those towns aren't really, you know, keeping up with modern trends and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and even everything that they're wearing, honestly, it doesn't really date them too much in my opinion, because everyone's just wearing t-shirts and jeans, even the leather jacket, people still wear leather jackets like that today. So, I mean, I, and then he's dressed like a, Caleb is dressed like a cowboy. And so those styles are still relevant. So I totally can see that. And I'm surprised no one's tried to knock this off or really tried to remake it yet. I don't know. I think they're scared of that. The the budget of the movie versus $3 million, you know, that's kind of, that sucks. That, that's, and yet you get shit like, you know, those uh, Transformers movies that people just flock to see. And, you know, art like this is going on scene but yeah that's besides the point well it, it is that and you know i never knew that this movie existed until i saw it i saw clips of it on the scariest movie moments on what was it tnt amc amc 
Mm-hmm. Was the AMC scariest? Y- yeah, when they do like the Eli Roth show or something like that. Yeah, they came out like uh, early 2000s. I remember I was still in high school and I watched this and it, the counted down from 100 scary movies. Near Dark was on the on the list and it was such a great clip they showed us. Of course, it was the, a clip of uh, Bill Paxton walking around in the bar. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself as I'm, as I'm watching it, I couldn't wait to see this film because I'm like, how the hell have I never seen this? And just the bar scene alone because the movie i don't want to say it's a slow burn because i feel like it just starts and he meets he meets may he's bitten and now all this shit's happening to him but it really kind of shows the severity and the viciousness of these characters when you get to the bar and just how methodical they are as and grisly as they are like even at the when may's walking up to the guy and she's trying to calm him down and she's dancing with him at the bar like even that's twisted like and she's like oh I, I, he's for you caleb <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's funny too because like you said even though they they're kind of stuck like this and they have to feed bill paxton some of the other characters too but they like you said they play with their food but it's funny because they need blood to survive you know what i mean it's just i think it makes it more sadistic because if you need something to survive you know for example i'm not going like this to my food it's like yeah what do you think about that mashed potatoes yeah i'm gonna (laughs) cut you up real good you know i mean no one does that and i need to eat food to survive they they need blood too to survive and yet they're sadistic with it and and they clearly and it shows because caleb was the only one who doesn't want to kill a person right and it shows that they can survive and either drinking each other's blood or at the very least they don't have to bite anybody to survive like they can get blood and survive off of that from either an animal or you know like they drain the waitress <laughs> the fact is that they they like to kill people because i think even if they're a, a Let's say they're not vampires. They're not human either. And they and they have no regard for human life. And it's pretty evident that because of that, because they, they've changed a child and then they're willing to steal the little girl for this child who's like hundreds of years old. So it's kind of like pedophilia mm-hmm. there, if you think about it, right? Well, technically, they're how old was how old was he supposed to be? Like two hundred or something? Yeah, that little kid. <laughs> so. Well, he kept calling him old man. Remember? And I'm like, oh my yeah, god! Yeah, it's like old man. Who call you call him old man? You're two hundred fucking years old. You know. Oh, there's the El Monte. So. I know they're coming for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I just think it's so good. And so, if nobody's seen this, I, especially if you're not into vampire films, I feel that this is a a great start. Uh, to get into the types of vampire films that are sort of relentless and they're mean spirited and they're not, they don't make you want to become a vampire. I mean, what other films yeah, do that? And, Sorry. And even if you're not a vampire fan, this film almost feels like, you know, they're vampires because that's their mythology, but they don't do the whole fang thing. They don't do the, the stereotypes or anything like that. So you can watch it on its own merit. Like, you know, I, it's weird. Vampires are the only monsters I really hear. A lot of people say, I don't like vampires. You know, I don't like those movies at all. If it's a vampire movie, I'll turn it off. So yeah, just think of it this way. These are mean, brutal people that are um, having fun killing and drinking the blood. You know, that's some good stuff. And, and this film definitely needs it because the marketing team behind it doesn't even really know how to market this film. No, I, I mean, t- for them to put that awful cover on the Blu-ray, when when you have Bill Paxton on the on the DVD or on any other thing that you're you're buying, and even in my background, he's not as, as severe as he is by the end, right? Mm-hmm. To have him on there, I think, would draw so many more horror fans to this film alone without even like reading the back of it because he looks like a burnt zombie type. I don't even know. Yeah, that's why I said this DVD cover of it. Like, that's that's really how it should be. 
I know we keep mentioning it up, but seriously, people, Google that fucking Blu-ray photo of it. It looks like he's even sparkling and he's white and he looks very, you know, it, it's bad. Uh, and I, I like that turns a lot of people off. Like I'm almost embarrassed. I'm like, oh, I, t- I showed my brother this movie. And he's like, what movie do you want to see? And I said, Near Dark. And he has Amazon Prime. He looked at it. He's like, oh, this one? <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> look at the VHS cover and then you'll see. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a big turnoff because I don't think, you know, the fandom of like teenage girls or something accidentally watching this movie thinking it's like a Twilight movie. They'll probably be like, ew, this is gross. No, I, that's the thing is that this is definitely far from Twilight. I mean, there is a love story and it is a very toxic love story because I don't think that May is good for Caleb and at all and Caleb at the beginning is just like trying to get in her pants right and they just keep going back to each other and I think that at some point like what does it say about Caleb that even after all the bullshit that she put him through because it's all her fault like she's the one who lured him in and she couldn't kill him because she wanted to keep him and this this, and that and then at the end almost gets her family murdered and granted she does save his sister but by the time you know at the end and he changes her back I feel like when he's hugging her at the end of the film she sort of regrets doing all of that because she was fine being a vampire. I don't think she's necessarily happy. I don't think that she's necessarily happy at being changed back into a person. And and that's another thing too with this film that's interesting because they go from being vampires but they can they can go back. And there's not a lot of films that do that aside from aside from what's the one Daybreakers with Willem Dafoe and Ethan Hawke. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember they can turn back into people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Daybreak, you know, this 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 takes the cake over Daybreakers, I think. So, cuz the the interesting thing about Daybreakers is, is that it's true what's happening because eventually they're depleting their own food source because everyone becomes a vampire, right? So, that's what I would assume, like the vampires don't want you to know their secret because not everyone can be a vampire. How would you survive? These are the stupid things that I think of because I do love vampire films. And I think partly because I love the the lore of it. I love I do like a good side romance. Right. But the romance, I think, in Near Dark is not the, the prominent story. So, no, you're kind of going along just to see, OK, is he going to stick with this crew of like really bad people? It's like him getting I mean, you could totally change this up to and not make it vampires and make it. Like, if you want to go drama way, it's like this guy got involved with the wrong girl. And now he's in this gang of, uh, you know, it could be any story like that. No, the vamp- like this is after watching it again. Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite vampire movies as well, too. Fright Night is like a close second. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that it's with Fright Night, you know, the vampires are much more garish. Right. And they're, they're more in your face. They're sort of like um, how dust from dust till dawn, like they're just not, not attractive mm-hmm. vampires. And I think that there is some something good to that, because then it creates them more as a monster, whereas you have vampires like an interview with the vampire underworld or even in this not this movie, I was should say, but in the Lost Boys where the vampires are beautiful and you, you know, you, you are lured to them and you're attracted to them. You want to be mm-hmm. them. And so I prefer my vampires attractive, I guess, because I mean, if I had a choice and this is kind of one of, you know, I figured I'd ask you guys this. But mm-hmm. if you had a choice to be a vampire, would you be a vampire? And what type of vampire would you be from like which film? Ooh, you know, I'd have to go with the near dark ones are cool, but they got a stressful life. I'd probably be Jerry Dandridge from Fright Night because <laughs> I got my own house. I, mean, I got a house in the suburbs. Everyone's leaving me alone. 
fuck, I could, you know, start do my own podcast all day in this house. I know. How, <laughs> look at how fun that would be to be a vampire podcast. You could do it day and night. Oh, how fun. Yeah. It's like, yeah, call this number. I make my, uh, I get good Patreon money doing this. Everyone wants to, and you don't have to do public appearances. No. So, which is nice. So. <laughs> Or, you know, that's what I'd love to do, too. Like, you ever been to I haven't done it in a while since the pandemic, but you ever go to a party and you're just like, well, now that we're getting older, it's like, oh, man, it's getting late. I want to go. Yeah. You just <laughs> turn into a bat and fly away. No one will. I know. You can just get out of there. You're good. I, I, I think as far as like if I had to choose vampires, I think either the vampires, the interview with the vampire vampires are from mm-hmm. Underworld. And I guess not even the Lost Boys because their feet when they're hanging upside down is so unattractive. Like, ew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like those nasty well, unless you're into a foot fetish or something, you know. Oh, I guess how many people have probably watched that movie for that scene alone because they're like feet people. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. well, I mean, you do get the greased up uh, sexy sax guy. So I know. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, you can't beat the oily saxophone guy, T- Tim Capello. And he's still going on tour. He was like in Orlando like a couple months ago. Like, are we all going? to go see the sax guy <laughs> yeah well see when i when i seen lost boys i thought that was duke nukem at first i'm like oh duke nukem oh my god <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah no i just think that i think that vampires are attractive and and i think that the beauty of them is that they for most intents and purposes can't die very easily mm-hmm. and i do like the idea of living forever because for me mortality is just incredibly sad to think of like every time i think i'm not going to be here someday it just freaks me the fuck out yeah it's a little weird like that too and then you think of like the dark void but then it's like well yeah, at least i don't have to pay rent <laughs> <laughs> that's true and and that's the thing too because i was watching a vampire documentary on stars and john even john carpenter said because some of the directors and different you know filmmakers were saying oh no why would you want to be a vampire that's so sad you watch all of the people you love die this is that and john carpenter is so fucking cool he's like why wouldn't you want to be a vampire he's like I wouldn't give a shit. He's like living forever for me would be much better than having to worry about dying someday. Like I would be totally fine with it. I don't care if everyone's around me dying. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, John Carpenter says that he's like, he's like, yeah, I, I think I've seen that same one. And he's like, yeah, I could just play video games all day. I don't yeah. Care. Like, I mean, that's such a cool response. He's so cool. Everything he does. Like anytime I watch an interview, I just love listening to him because he's so fun. Hence John Carpenter's vampires. Like those vampires were a lot of fun mm-hmm. and they were sort of like in a Western too, because they're out in the desert. James Woods is, you know, shooting them up and stuff like that. So that's pretty much like a vampire Western as well. But mm-hmm. I think that near dark beats it. A million times over, for sure. It does, yeah. So like I said, people, give this movie a chance. It's it's on Prime right now, I think. So yeah, definitely see it. But let's stop fanning your nuts to that, that cover of the movie and just watch it. It's not anything like that cover. If you need to, go Google the old uh, VHS or the Anchor Bay DVD, because that's how this movie truly looks. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And, and Bill Paxton, what an amazing performance from him, I think is my favorite performance of his, honestly. So, you know, if... If you love Bill Paxton and you've not seen this movie, then you really have not seen Bill Paxton, in my my personal opinion. Much better than Twister, right? <laughs> yeah, he's basically, uh, I know he did Monster Squad, but he's basically like the cooler, the hipper version of Ru- uh, Rudy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But he's not nice. He's he's a bully. No, he's bad, yeah. which makes him cooler. Oh, much so. cooler, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think this is a good place to, to come to a stop. 
Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I do have a message from Jake. We'll be his little messengers here. But uh, we got some questions to ask. Uh, did, did he send you these questions? He too? did. He did. Okay. So do you want to ask them to each other? Yeah, let's do that. Because we can maybe ask you guys too, listening, and then you just send us a message on Patreon. If you're even going to do that. I know sometimes it's hard to, you know, get your Cheeto stained fingers flapping on the keyboard sometimes. So it's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, for sure. Well, actually, I sent my responses back. So we're doing this for Joe and Sally's Much Ado About Nerding podcast. They sent us a, a bunch of fun questions for something they're doing this month on their podcast. So shameful pl- or sh- shameful, shameless plug to much ado about nerding. It can be shameful. We'll see. So. <laughs> well, it probably will be after we say our responses. So do you, do you want me to ask you first? Sure. Let's see here. Okay, let me let me pull them up. I just saw them from Jake. OK, so for our rad as fuck much ado about nerding buddies, Doug, what's your favorite holiday and why is it Halloween? Oh, uh, you answered the obvious. Well, honestly, I could say Halloween is my favorite one. I do like Christmas. I, I love decorating for Christmas, too. And of course, we, we, we know the true meaning of Christmas presents. So uh, but Halloween's a lot of fun. I like decorating because you could put as much gore and crazy stuff. This this month, uh, we made it killer clowns from outer space themed outside. So I kind of made my own little pinball psycho circus and people stop by and take pictures. I think that's a lot of fun. But yeah, it, Christmas and Halloween are my favorite. But Halloween is uh you know, I get to I get an excuse to eat Reese's peanut butter cups. Now, what about you? What's your favorite holiday? Obviously, Halloween. I love Halloween. I love dressing up. I love dressing up. Yes, I dress like a total slut, except for this year. We are going as the Golden Girls. So it'll be the first year that I am looking like an, an old sexy lady because I'll be Blanche Devereaux. Well, you could be a sexy Golden Girl, you know, so I, <laughs> with the old lady <laughs> The old lady wig and just wear dental floss. I, I think it'll work. Oh so. my god, I can't. So I do like uh, I do like Halloween, obviously, and then yeah, I guess Christmas would be second, only because well, actually, I love to cook. So Thanksgiving and then Christmas in that order. Yeah, see, I think Thanksgiving is like the biggest scam. You want to know why? It's you spend all this these six hours cooking, you eat for ten minutes. Get the fuck out of here, Thanksgiving. I know, but it's pumpkin everything, and I just oh, oh God, I roast my own pumpkins, and I, anyways, Ooh. I know, so good. So ne- next question, let's uh, moving moving right along. Favorite costume you've worn, and you've worn a lot of them. Yeah, I've worn a lot of costumes, whether it be for uh, movies or Halloween. Um, I think my favorite one, well, back when I was in high school, I dressed as a Toxic Avenger. No one knew who I was, but uh, they're like, why are you wearing a tutu and why are your balls hanging out and why is your eyeball coming out? And I wore that entire thing all day. I was walking around with one eye. So that was probably my favorite. But um, for the movie that's coming out, it's called Alien Danger. Um, I wore costumes, a bunch of alien costumes that were huge ones, and that was made by Hunter Jackson from Guar. So I think that's probably my second favorite is wearing, you know, because they're costumes from Guar. So can't beat that. What about you, Aid? What's your favorite costume you've worn? Oh my gosh, the Guar ones would be really cool. But for me, I was Wonder Woman a few years ago, and that was like my favorite thing to run around in. It was so cute. Yeah, we even photoshopped oh, yes. that in our, our three person <laughs> photo. Know, my so. And then I was Yennefer from The Witcher last year. And so that was like my first cosplay type costume because I didn't spend my money on Halloween Horror Night. So I figured I'll just spend it on dressing up for Halloween. Oh, nice. Yeah, this one. Um, well, this, we're filming this before Halloween, but uh, you hire and I because we do this 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 camp at the gym. And then we have this party we're going to. Uh, we're going to Sweet Tooth and Dollface from Twisted Metal. So oh, I so lost fun. a little bit of weight. Yeah, and I had to wear. I was like looking for the sweet tooth outfit, um, because he wears like white pants with little pink circles. But then he wears like this thing around his chest, 
And I'm like, what is it? It's like a little metal thing. And I had to order it from a sex shop. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't I don't even know what it's for. I'm like, what? it's like a little circle and it has like straps around your chest. So <laughs> I didn't. And then they pulled it. And I'm like, I had to order it from uh, Hustlers of Hollywood. Oh, my God. You're going to get all the dirty magazines in your mail now. Spam. Yeah. I don't care. I'm like, you know, like they still send this stuff. <laughs> I know. That's so funny. Okay. So moving right along, your favorite Halloween memory. Mm, I probably have to say the one time I bit into that Reese's and there was a razor blade in there. No, that's, I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> I was like, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. I've seen Halloween too. I know not to put razors in your mouth, but um, yeah, no, my favorite Halloween memory is probably back in, uh, I honestly, like, the grade school days were the funnest for me. Cause that really felt when you could still like maybe fifth, sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Cause I grew up in Cleveland. So it was very like, you were unsupervised, but the only problem with Cleveland is that, uh, well, Ohio in general, is that it would snow a lot. So some, you know, friends would be out. I'm Spider Man with a coat. You know what I mean? Like, there's you always had to wear a coat. I remember on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. So, but I enjoyed it. Like the the loot, you can go around and scare your friends, and then you come home with a pillowcase full of candy. So that's really my Halloween memories. I don't have a specific one, but you know, just that childish uh, kind of memories of trick-or-treating yeah I, I agree it's there was something very i think we're like the last generation to have that type of halloween right where we could go trick-or-treating without the parents and have a good time and like you i'm from upstate new york i did i too mm-hmm. had to wear the coat one year it snowed so our uncle had to drive us around in the van <laughs> with our snow <laughs> boots on and our winter coats I'll never forget yeah that. yeah i find i remember like people would dress on like i'm michael myers but i'm in a with snow boots and uh and an overall coat. yeah you know and and i don't think anyone's gonna get that because even we went over this past weekend we went to sea world uh so dan's nephew could go trick-or-treating his uh, nieces and nephews and you see all the kids dressed up they're so excited and like they're trick-or-treating at sea world like this, you know, it's not the same. Like they had to go up to like somebody and they dropped it through the little thing. And so there's little stations like it's not the same than ringing the doorbell and seeing people's Halloween decorations. And and so I feel really badly now for the kids nowadays because I don't think they're going to have the Halloweens that, that we grew up with, you know. Yeah, I feel bad because I know Jake took his kids to uh, the Disney one. And he said they gave him fucking cranberries. Yeah. Like, I'm like, get the fuck out. I throw it back at SeaWorld was giving the kids bags of Lay's. I'm like, no flavor, just plain Lay's. Oh, cheap bastard. They were probably sponsored by Lay's or Snickers or something, you know? That's what they had at the gift shop that was expired. So now they're going to give it out to the kids. Yeah. Well, I'll admit when I was a kid, when I, the candies I used to hate, I call them the old people candies, like the ones that like the little strawberry wrappers. I'm like, where the fuck do you even buy this? I know. Cause you know, they last forever, right? So people just hand them out yeah. every year because they can't even give it away. Yeah. It's like, here you go, kid. Don't, don't mind the, the belly button lint on there. Well, so. speaking of nasty candy or by popular opinion, candy corn, yay or nay. Uh, well, if you like candle wax, then, you know, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a, it does, you know what? There's something savory about it that I do like, like I'll eat one or two. I I can't eat a whole bag of them because I, I prefer mm. chocolate anyways. I don't, so I don't say nay. Yeah, no, no me gusta on my end either. Yeah. Can I know that's so funny, but I do eat peeps too. And I know people hate them. So yeah, well, candy corn is classified always under those weird candies. Another one I like is those, those orange circus peanuts. Oh. Yeah, I, yeah, you find them at gas stations, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I like those. They taste like chalk. <laughs> I think that's why I like them. That's probably why, yeah. Um, and then they asked if, have you ever played Bloody Mary or a similar game? 
Oh, yeah. So Bloody Mary, I played it when I was a kid. I was always like, see, as a kid, I was always one of those skeptics that like when it came to like religion or like things like that, or like, oh, you can't say that. I was always a skeptic. I was always testing people on it. And Bloody Mary, I did. I'm just like, I'm not feeling it at all. Like, this is a scam, you guys. I don't know. We did it, but nothing really ever came of it. Uh, no Bloody Mary or anything like that. What about you? Yeah, I did it. The bitch never came. Right. Same as you. And then, of course, when Candyman came out, we did it with Candyman. Never showed up. We even did the light as a feather, stiff as a board. No, nobody floated. <laughs> no, no. And you want to know what's funny, too? I remember this was a while back in grade school. Again, we had a Ouija board and everyone was so afraid to use it. I wasn't. So I, I basically pretend I'm like, it's moving. It's moving. And it basically just said, fuck you. Yeah, there's always <laughs> one asshole who's moving it, but no one's moving it. No one's touching it. Right. And so that was Doug. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that was it. And I'm like, oh, what we need in order to get past uh, asking the next question, we need a sacrifice of blood. So I'd have everyone. I was I was like, bam, I realize them. But I would have they would all like give themselves a paper cut and try to like squeeze some blood. On the oh, my Ouija God. Board. That's awful, Doug. Well, that's what happens when you watch Ghoulies when you're like six years old. <laughs> that's so funny. And then I guess. Oh, yeah. And that's the last. So at last uh, of the question. So if you guys want to participate in that, feel free to reach out to Much Ado About Nerding and give them your thoughts on those questions, because there was a lot of fun. I think we learned a lot about each other, especially that Doug's a little bit of a masochist, obviously. So, yeah, yeah. So next next one, if you guys want to, uh, if you like candy corn, then you must love giving yourself paper cuts in between your toes. Right. Like just that's kind of what it's like having to eat a whole bag of candy corn. It's worse than saw. Oh, my God. That sounds awful. Find us on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at pathologically ADE. Doug's at on Instagram at Doug Bizarro. And Doug, also, you do a show on Friday nights. Yes, yes. So if you have a Roku, uh, free. in fact, right now we're in the Halloween uh, marathon, B-Movie TV on Roku. I host a show every Friday at 8 p.m. Um, I do the intros and outros, and uh, there's a lot of cool trailers and stuff that we show um, from local people that we've interviewed, Sam Hell, uh, you know, just a lot of good like trauma stuff as well, too. Just B-Movies in general, um, you'll find on on B-Movie TV on Roku and it's all free. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if you have a Roku and you haven't downloaded it yet, there's some great stuff on there. A lot of ex- obscure things and you get to see Doug's smiling face. So wh- who wouldn't want to watch? So I really encourage you guys to, you know, reach out and let us know what you think about all of this and how you feel. I know that there's a lot of feelings going on with the change of the episodes, but again, we just want to hear from you and know what you think. So with that, I think that we're coming to a close. So any last thoughts or words, Doug? Uh, no, I just got to say thank you guys all very much for listening and please get back to us because we will respond because um, the feedback really helps us, uh, you know, improve and build up on the show to make it more of what you guys want. If you guys just want random stuff where it's like not themed or it's like, you know, little snippets here and there of just random comments and everything. So you never know. Maybe we'll get up on the Twitch stream soon so people can donate money to our asses. Ooh, that'd so. be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I got to figure out how to do that. Too many classes, too many things to learn. All right. Well, on behalf of Doug and myself, goodbye and good day.